Amen. I'm going to be keep. I'm going to continue along this path, talking about a creature called Jezebel, part two. And and I got to tell you, I I always critique what I teach, why I teach it, because I don't ever want to teach out of the emotional realm, and I don't ever want to bring something to you just because I'm walking through it. Because you don't need to know my experiences. My job is to bring you the word. Amen. To smile even when I feel like crying on the inside. And so I asked, I was like, Lord, am, am I doing right? I mean, I don't want to teach on Jezebel because you know what? In all the years I've been teaching and in all the nations I brought the word of God, I have never given Jezebel two seconds behind the pulpit. I just, I, I like, you know me, I love preaching about the love of God, who God is and who you are in him. That's all I want to teach on. I love grace, faith, healing and prosperity. Well then, pastor, why are we talking about Jezebel? Well, it's Paul's fault. Because the Apostle Paul wrote this verse. And if he hadn't wrote this verse, I wouldn't be doing this. But before I read you this verse, this is Ronnie Reed, you know, for those of you who know, I always give Ronnie Reed my sermon notes. And it's kind of like a singer-songwriter who's a better writer than he is a singer giving Elvis Presley a song. Once the guy sings it, you, Ronnie always takes my stuff and preaches it, but he preaches it so much better than me. I don't ever want to preach it again when he's done. But he, he sent me a text. He said, what are you working on now? I said, well, I'm working on a creature called Jezebel. He said, send me the notes. I said, well, I ain't done. He said, send them to me anyhow. So I sent them to him. And then the next day he said, dude, you got to come to Y Mama. And that's in Florida. I said, why do I got to come to Y Mama? He said, because we're having our Church of God camp meeting and Pastor Sammy Rodriguez is down here preaching your notes. And he said, it's powerful. He's preaching about a creature called Jezebel. And I thought about trademark infringement. Maybe I can sue him. But that helped me to know because I love it when that happens because, see, there's one Lord, one spirit, one voice. And when we're listening to him, he'll be preaching the exact same messages to different congregations. So that means we're on track. And the Lord wants you to know about your opponent so your opponent doesn't gain victory over you. You follow me? So this is what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul wrote this, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan. Now I want to say this. This is written, 2 Corinthians smack dab in the middle of the New Testament. This ain't Old Testament. This is New Testament. And this is written by the man who introduced grace to the church. He said, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan. Which means, listen to me, everyone look at me. If we're unaware of the devil's schemes, he can take advantage over us. Because if we're unaware of how he operates, he can be operating in our life and make us think it's God. How many of you ever heard anyone call a disease a blessing? Come on now. That's because they don't know the schemes of the enemy. So when you're being beaten up, beaten down, and pushed aside, they'll say, well, that's just the cross you got to bear. We got to make sure that we are not ignorant of how the devil works so he doesn't gain advantage over us. So Paul said this, for we are not ignorant, meaning lacking knowledge or awareness of his schemes. Ignorance, listen to me, ignorance is not bliss. There is nothing blissful about ignorance. The ignorant are always vulnerable. I'm going to say that again. The ignorant are always vulnerable. In whatever areas of life we lack understanding, we're vulnerable. 
This is why in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11, the Spirit of Grace said this, Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. And that literally means in the Hebrew language that understanding is like a bodyguard. Understanding provides security in life. I'll explain it to you this way. How many of you have a car, ever been in a car? Only some of you raised your hands. I guess the rest of you walk. (laughs) Pedal power. If we lack understanding concerning even the simple mechanics of a car, then we're vulnerable to being taken advantage of by unscrupulous mechanics. They'll sell you services and parts that don't even exist because we don't understand anything. If we lack understanding, we're vulnerable. I know some young people that don't even know how to change a tire. So they're vulnerable if they get a flat to being stranded. Understanding will guard you. Ignorance will make you vulnerable. And this is in every area of life. I've read a lot of economic books. And, And in reading these economic books, I come across one truth that's repeated over and over and over again. And that is that any self made millionaire, meaning someone who rose from the ranks of middle class to poverty to wealth, loses their fortune at least three times. At least three times. Now, most of us, because we have very little economic understanding, because they don't teach it to us in school, you following me, we lose money, it's gone. And if we ever try an investment or a business venture and it doesn't work out, our first response is, I'll never do that again. Right? Because our ignorance of simple economics makes us vulnerable. But those who understand economics, they make a fortune, they lose it, they make it again. They lose it again. They make it again. They lose it again. Because their understanding watches over them. Are you getting where I'm going with this? If we're ignorant in an area of life, we're vulnerable. If we're ignorant concerning relationships, our life will always be filled with toxic relationships. Because we don't understand what a friend is for. But if we have understanding of what friendship is, we surround ourselves with people who elevate us instead of bringing us down. We surround ourselves with healthy people, not toxic people. Hmm. Ignorance makes you vulnerable. Understanding makes you secure. Which is why Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 4, I'm just reading you the first part of the verse in verse 5. He said, acquire wisdom. With exclamation, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. And then he says again in in verse seven, get this, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, everything you set out to get in life, he said, get understanding, bro. I threw in the bro in case you were wondering. Get understanding. Why? Because if you get understanding, you're not vulnerable in life. People who don't understand who they are in Christ can always be made to believe there's something less than who Christ made him to be. If you don't understand your identity in Christ, you can, you can buy the lie, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You can buy the lie that you're poor, you're broke, that you're unloved, unfavored. You know, there are a lot of Christians who believe that they got to constantly try to earn God's favor because they've never been told they're already God's favor right. You've heard me say it before, and this is the way you ought to identify, right? You've heard of the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Ammonites, the Canaanites. Behold God's favor right. 
because I come from the land of favor. Behold, this is the time, the epic of God's favor. You can't be in Christ and be unfavored. If you're born again, you are the favored of the Lord and the favor of God is upon you. But see, if you don't understand that, somebody will come along and tell you God rebirthed you so you could suffer. People who don't understand the love, grace, and character of God can be sold a whole bill of lies about who their father is. And people who are ignorant, listen to this, people who are ignorant concerning the schemes of the enemy are easily exploited by the enemy. To become who God dreamed you would be, you must fight. You must. You've got to fight for the battle that's already been won. You're not fighting to win. Understand that. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But, you know, you've got to fight to keep a thief out of your house. You've got to fight for your right to be free. Because if the enemy can bewitch you, which means to fool you, if he can deceive you, he'll put you back in chains. And you'll be a Christian living like a sinner under the same bondage and under the same darkness and under the and wondering where is faith? Where is victory? It's been in Christ the whole time, but we just got to be aware of who we are, who he is and how great his love is for us. So we need to not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. Now, when we fight, I want you to hear this because, you know, we know this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It ain't about the size of your biceps or the caliber of your handgun. Because you've heard me say this before. You'll never win a supernatural battle by natural means. So never, hear me when I say, never fight from a place of weakness. But don't fight from a place of arrogance either. Never fight from a place of weakness, but don't fight from a place of arrogance. I learned long ago that arrogance is the illegitimate love child of ego and ignorance. When someone's too prideful to be aware of how little they really are. For instance, the scripture doesn't say, I can do all things. I've heard preachers say it this way, and I've heard a lot of saints say it. I can do all things. The Bible never says you can do all things. You listening to me? Hear me when I say this. A partial quote is as dangerous as a misquote. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, through him. I can do all things through him. Who strengthens me? Christ is the channel. Just like water flows through a pipe, and a pipe is the channel for the water. Christ is the channel through whom all grace flows. Christ is the channel through whom all faith flows. Christ is the channel through whom all blessings flow. Are you getting the Christ? Christ is the great one. Greater is he that is in you. We should never buy the, the lie that I can do all things. I don't know about you, but I've done that more than once. I'll fix this. 
You've heard me tell the story about how when we were betrayed in the ministry, I stood in a driveway in Baton Rouge and said, I will fix this. And a year went by, and you know how much of it I fixed? And my wife came to me, and she said, Love, I thought you said you were going to fix this. And like in, in a twinkling of an eye, I saw myself back. I wasn't being rebellious to God. I was being self-reliant. I thought, I'm smart enough. I know how to do this. I got a business degree. I can fix this. Nothing. I, you know, I learned right then. You know how long it takes to repent? A nanosecond. I was like, God, you gave birth to a dum-dum. I repent of dum-dumness. I ask you to fix this. And in two days, it was all done. A year, I couldn't do nothing. In two days, he had it totally fixed. I can do all things through Christ. We're still talking about Jezebel. But what I want to tell you is when you engage a, an, in a spiritual enemy, don't rely on your own intellect. Don't think for a moment you can outthink the devil. Don't think for a moment you can outwillpower the devil. Your victory is in Christ. And don't ever take your eyes off him because he's the author and he's the finisher. Amen. So Christ is the channel through whom all strength flows let me read philippians chapter 4 verse 12 out of the passion translation paul said i'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things that secret that paul learned is grace paul learned not to rely on his own intellect he, he was a smart man paul learned how not to rely on his own powers at all he said when i'm weak then am i strong Therefore, I'll glory in my own infirmities because I know I'm not trusting in Paul anymore. I'm trusting in Christ who Amen. lives within me. Amen. Are you with me this morning? In fact, Paul went on in another place. He said that he'd been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it was no longer Paul who lived, but Christ who lived in him. Hmm. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. So the secret to defeating this creature called Jezebel is, and I'm pausing for dramatic effect, because we can't defeat until we learn to discern. You following me? Because there's a lot of people shadow boxing the devil, and he ain't even where they're boxing. Because he, he's, he's, good at, he's good at deflection and deception, and he'll get you to fight Aunt Sue when Uncle Bob is the problem. And he'll sit back and laugh because you're fighting the wrong enemy. Yes, sir. Some of you are fighting your husband and your husband ain't the problem. And others of you fighting your wives and your wives ain't the problem. It's a spirit. Amen. And you're too naturally minded to understand this ain't him or her. This is an it. And I got to defeat it through the grace and faith of my Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we need to learn to discern before we can defeat. Because if we misdiscern, it's like misdiagnosing a disease. Yes. You treat a disease you ain't even got. Is this okay? Now, I'm going to give you a list of traits that Jezebel always, always, always manifest. But when I give you these, don't just don't grab one of them and say, yep, yep, yep. I knew I was married to a Jezebel because pastor said a Jezebel talks all the time. And she talks all the time. Well, there's a lot of people that talk all the time, and it doesn't mean they're de demon-possessed. So don't just take one trait 
Because I could find that trait in you too. And you could find that trait in me. There are some areas we're growing in. We're just not mature yet. That does, I remember, is this okay? I remember one time, Cleve, someone took a picture of me with the old, old Polaroids. I had just gotten saved. And they, you remember that? And when that, when that, when that picture came out, they, they wanted to cast the devil out of me. They said, you're demon-possessed. I knew that's why you're so weird. You're demon-possessed. I said, why am I demon-possessed? They said, look at your eyes are red. I said, you ain't laying hands on me, dum-dum. So don't just pick one trait and say, that's a devil. But when you see just several of these traits together, it, 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 it can make you aware of the fact that maybe you're not fighting just an immature, hard-to-get-along-with person. Maybe that person really has succumbed to a creature called Jezebel. And let me say this as well. Even though when the Bible refers to Jezebel, it's always a female, Trust me, I've been in ministry long enough to know it, ain't, it, it can be a he or she. And I also want to say this. Listen, it doesn't matter what sector of life God has placed you in. You might be sitting there thinking, well, pastor, I'm not a leadership in ministry, so I don't ever have to worry about Jezebel. Oh, yeah, you do. Because if you have an ambition to do what God's called you to do, whatever it is that God's called you to do, you will have to discern and defeat and dethrone this creature. Because this creature's primary purpose is intimidation, manipulation, and control. And if it's given enough room, it will kill, destroy, and demolish your dreams. I said this to you, is this okay this morning? I said to you this last week, I don't know of a single ministry that's made an impact that has not at some point in their journey had to overcome this creature. And I also know ministries that never did overcome this creature. One of the saddest stories I'm personally aware of is my former pastor who just recently passed away. One of the most anointed men of God I've ever encountered. But his ministry ended in disaster because he hired as his church administrator a Jezebel. Everyone else saw it but him. And his ministry was deflated. He was isolated. Even his lifelong ministry friends were forbidden from coming in to see him. Because a Jezebel seeks to isolate and control. And he died hopeless and mindless and friendless. And it doesn't matter what field you're in, this creature will oppose every work of God. If you read the, if you read the story of Jezebel, you'll find she inserted herself in business. When Ahab wanted to buy the vineyard of Naboth, and Naboth wouldn't sell it, Jezebel inserted herself in a business deal. So you operate in the business world, be ready. You'll have to overcome this creature. We know she inserted herself in politics. She was a queen. That's in any public setting. If you're involved in any type of public affair, you'll encounter a Jezebel. We know that Jezebel was uber-religious, ultra-religious. She operates in the church. We also, is this okay? I'm trying to say, we also know she operates in families. She so infected the, the family of Ahab that Jehu had to kill every single member of Ahab's family in order to kill the infection. So you got a family, you better fight this creature so your sons and your daughters aren't infected. So how do we discern this creature called Jezebel. I may not get through all of these, but then again, I didn't set my timer, so I might. 
You ready? These are traits. A Jezebel refuses to admit guilt or wrong. A Jezebel is never wrong unless it's a temporary admission to gain a greater seat of authority. It's never true repentance. In other words, a Jezebel will say something like this. I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. I'm sorry you misunderstood. It's never I'm sorry. I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. You should be more mature than that. This is your problem, not my problem. A Jezebel will never because arrogance and pride will not allow a Jezebel to admit wrong. Number two, a Jezebel always takes credit for everything. While a strong trademark of Jezebel is to never take responsibility for his wrong actions or behavior, he's also quick to take credit for benefits for which he contributed no effort. Why? Because there's absolutely no humility in this creature called Jezebel. Yes, I want you to understand this. A Jezebel is the opposite of the Holy Spirit in every way. Where the Holy Spirit comes to guide, a Jezebel comes to control. Where the Holy Spirit comes as a spirit of liberty, a Jezebel is a spirit of confinement. Where the Holy Spirit is refreshing, a Jezebel spirit is exhausting. When you encounter a true Jezebel, you leave that meeting exhausted. Wondering, where did all your strength go? Where did all your energy go? It is like a siphon of life. Yes, sir. You following me? Yes, sir. Number three, a Jezebel uses people, always people, to accomplish its agenda. A Jezebel lets others do its dirty work. Jezebel gets other pe person's emotions so stirred up and lets them fly into a rage and then sits back looking innocent saying, Who, me? What did I do? This behavior makes it difficult for even the most ardent truth seeker to pin one down. The Jezebel spirit is clever in its agenda. It gets you riled up and gets you to go off and do something. Manipulation and control. Number four, and this is huge. I want you to get this. A Jezebel always uses information. It withholds information, and this is a form of control. A Jezebel wields power over you by knowing something you don't know in a situation. In the eyes of a Jezebel, having information you don't have is a powerful weapon of control. A Jezebel talks, number five, talks in confusion. It is impossible to converse with a Jezebel logically. This is a way to maintain control because they keep you off your guard. When you're talking to a Jezebel, they'll change the topic five times in a minute to keep you confused. And this keeps them from being uncovered and unexposed. A Jezebel will volunteer for anything. A Jezebel volunteers in order to establish control. He seemingly has endless energy and eagerly looks for opportunities to be in charge of projects. Although he will work hard for his motive, although he will work hard, his motive is never pure and eventually his secret agenda cannot be hidden. I've seen this operate in churches where they give. I, I remember, is this okay? 
I, I don't want to bore you, but this is so important that we learn to discern because we can't defeat until we discern. Like I said, otherwise we'll be shadow boxing where there ain't no enemy. And where there is an enemy, we just keep getting pummeled. I was in a church one time. And sometimes when I say here, it's not here. It was there because there is where I was at the moment. So there is here, but here is not there. You understand what I'm saying? So when I say here, I'm not always referring to real life church. But I remember one time I was sitting down with a worship leader who absolutely wrestled control of the entire church from the pastor. And she told the pastor, I control the first part of the service. You can have the latter part. And he asked me, what do you think about that? I said, fire her. I don't know why you're playing with a devil. Right. Well, she's talented. Well, if she wasn't talented, you wouldn't have her on the stage, but we got to have character, Amen. not talent. Yes, sir. That's one of the problems in the church is we always promote talent above character. Amen. So I sat down with her and her husband and was talking about how she had to stop doing what she was doing, and it was her time at that church was over. And she began to cry. And the, the, the husband said, how can you strip my wife of her divine calling? I said, if I can strip her of her divine calling, it ain't real divine now, is it? Because if this calling was divine, it'd be beyond my ability to strip her of it. And she just began to cry and cry and cry until I looked at her and I said, your tears are meaningless to me. And she instantly stopped crying and started dropping F-bombs in a heartbeat. Mm. Man, I could tell you some stories, and I probably will before this is over. But they'll volunteer for anything. But the volunteering is in order to gain control. I knew of another church that there was a woman in the church. And remember, I told you it's gender neutral. This is the one place where you can actually say it's non-binary. It can be male or female. But this church needed some help, and so it hired a woman to work in the administrative office, and she began to sow discord, and she ended up splitting the church. 50% of the church left, and they didn't know it until they got to the place where they just literally couldn't. She killed the church. A Jeze number seven, a Jezebel lies. A Jezebel lies convincingly. No one can lie better than it can. He can turn on the charm and make you believe blue is red. He always fails or he always he always succeeds. How do I say this? He, when you first meet a Jezebel, you think they're the most wonderful people on the planet. Nobody shouts the way they shout. Nobody claps the way they clap. Nobody volunteers the way they volunteer. Nobody comes to you as willing to help you achieve your dreams as this person. So when you first meet them, you think they're spectacular until you're victimized by their tactics. Mm. Number eight, if you ever disagree, they either attack or ignore. Number nine, never shows credit or gratitude. I'm skipping going through some of these really fast. You can download the, the outline. Number 10, criticizes everyone. This is the characteristic of a Jezebel. He has to be the one who looks good. So he'll quickly, sharply criticize anyone who makes a suggestion or a plan. Even though he likes the plan, he can only criticize it because the idea did not originate with him. Criticizing others elevates control 
in their own mind. And that leads to the next one, number 11, upmanship. They always got to have one better than you. If you raised one person from the dead, they raised 10. And they won't let you finish talking about how you raised the one before they're talking about how they raised the 10. Because Jezebel is a flesh creature. And as such, pride is what motivates. Number 11, and this one I'll camp out on a little bit, sequesters information. And this is huge. Jezebel loves to be in control of information. If there is ever a situation or information is, if there's ever a situation in which information is important, he will push, and this is important, to be the first to know. And he seems to know everything about everyone. Where he gets all his information is beyond comprehension, almost as if it were supernatural. He will know things there should be no way he should know, and he can dictate to you data and details about people's lives and actions in mass quantities. It's almost as if they're clairvoyant. In some cases, they are. Can I share some things with you? I shared with you last week how when I first got saved, there was a Jezebel, and I'm not meaning just a hard-to-get-along-with person. I'm talking somebody supernaturally empowered that was in my life, and it was my stepmother. And I couldn't get out from underneath them until the Lord said, I get to the place where what she says has no impact on me. She couldn't push my buttons anymore. I had to learn to be stronger than that creature. But there were, you would hide things, Cleve, hide things. I'm talking about hiding them well. I'm talking about getting up on a ladder, crawling up on the top shelf and behind the wall and breaking a hole in the wall and dropping the thing down in the middle, saying she'll never find it. And the next day she'd say, oh, you thought you hid this on me. When we would go, when my wife and I first went, started preaching, this was before the age, if you can imagine, before the age of the internet. Yes, I know I'm too good looking to be that old, but I do remember when we had pay phones, right? When you could literally go somewhere and no one know where you went because they couldn't track you on your smartphone. And my wife and I, we would travel the country preaching, and we had no secretary. We had no office. The only two people that would know where we're going is us, and we only knew it if Rand McNally successfully got us there. Y'all, y'all too young. You do you know what Rand McNally is? It's when we used to carry. Rand McNally was a book. <laughs> Excuse me, this is a private conversation. You would open it up and it had a map inside. <laughs> and you would say, I'm here and I want to go there. And then if you drove by the road and you went off the page, I'd look at Deborah and say, where are we at now? And she'd say, well, you're off the page. And so you'd have to scroll back. Y'all following me? Yeah. And so we didn't even know where we were going half the time. We would get there, and the pastor would say, who's this woman called Madra? And we'd think, oh, my God, what did she do now? Somehow she would know where we were going to preach when no one on the planet knew where we were going to preach, and she would know the phone number and the pastor's name and would call ahead of us and accuse us of having orgies and all kinds of other things. And, we were, and she would say, you ought not to let them preach in your church. They're evil. They did this, that, and the other. And I would look at the pastor and say, man, I'm sorry. I don't even know how she knew I was coming here. And we'd go to the next church, and the next pastor would say, who's this woman called Madra? And be like, oh my God, how is she knowing all these things? A Jezebel will know things. And listen, they know things because they're the counterfeit of the prophetic. 
And if you're unaware of the devil's scheme, see, if somebody knows something they ought not to know, we're too quick to say, wow, you must be prophetic, and you're setting yourselves up. Because just because somebody knows something they don't, they ought not to know does not mean it was revealed to them by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because if the purpose of the information is information, I mean, it is manipulation, control, or destruction of your dreams, that ain't God. No, sir. God never tells any prophet to call ahead and tell the pastor what you haven't done in order to smear your name. You've heard me say this before. God is the only person in all of creation that knows everything you've ever done. And he'll never use what he knows about you to shame you. Never. If it's shame and it's condemnation and it's manipulation and it's control, do not give that thing credit and say, well, that must be God. A Jezebel counters the prophetic. They'll know things they ought not to know, and they use it to control. And then when you ask them about it, because they are so religious, they'll say, well, the Lord told me. The Lord told me where your purse was so I could steal your money. I'm t listen, just because we're in the age of grace does not make the devil graceful. The devil's insidious. The devil's diabolical. And you know what? He's just flat-footed mean. He comes to do what? Say it again. But I have come that you might... If it's, if it's stealing, if it's thievery, and it's destruction, and it's death, don't give God the credit. He comes that you might have life, and not just life, but life abundantly. I'm not, listen, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I ain't going to be exploited anymore. Hmm. Let's keep going. He'll, you, the Jezebel will always use that information as a leverage of power. And then share tidbits with you. With think, listen, share tidbits with you of things you've told him in confidence. And this gives him a sense of power, even to the point of trying to impress people by knowing things that others do not. Number 14, talks insistently. If you've ever encountered a Jezebel, you can't hardly get a word in edgewise. And that's to keep you off your guard and keep you confused and keep you impressed. And this is also, remember I told you that they'll exhaust you. You walk away just feeling drained. Number 15, they spiritualize everything. When a controller, a Jezebel is confronted... He or she commonly spiritualizes the situation, explaining it as if it were God. This, prevent, this prevents him from owning up to any responsibility required of him. The problem is always yours, not theirs, because they're led of God. You're not. A Jezebel is always insubordinate. The only authority they'll ever recognize is that which they can abuse and misuse. A Jezebel is always pushy and domineering. A person with a Jezebel spirit pressures you to do things seemingly ripping from you the right to choose or make a decision for yourself. It makes others feel as though they don't have enough sense to think for themselves. Is this helping you at all? 
And number 18, listen to this. A Jezebel is very, very vengeful. Since a Jezebel is never wrong, if you contradict or confront one, get ready to become its worst enemy. As long as you're in agreement, you're fine. But if you confront the Jezebel, if you dare challenge, then look out. You're the target of its fears and its venom. A Jezebel will stop at nothing to destroy your reputation. And as I shared with you, my wife and I are dealing with one right now. And when I was going through this list, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's as if it's an autobiography or a biography, whatever one I want. What is it, a biography? Is an autobiography about me? Well, then that ain't me. It's a biography. Get it straight. I mean, this is just this person, line upon line. And something about a Jezebel is they're very intimidating. Do you remember? Is this okay this morning? Yes. This is more of a teaching than it is a preaching. But do you remember the story when, when Elijah had to deal? And he had just come off one of the most amazing, you know, this is when he challenged the prophets of Baal. And, and he told them, look, at you all gather yourselves. And in fact, it, it's interesting because he said, gather all of Israel, yet Jezebel wasn't there. Remember, I told you she'll always send other people to do her work. So she wasn't there. But Ahab was there and all of Israel was there. And, and this is when Elijah said, you know, if Baal be Baal, then serve him. But if God be God, then serve him. How long are you going to waver between these two? Make a choice. And so, you know, he did the whole thing with the prophets of Baal and they built the thing. And he said, well, you know, he's not listening to you. Maybe he's on the toilet. Shout a little louder. And they began to cut themselves. And, and you know, he said, well, maybe he's on a trip. Shout a little more. And he's, he's as if, you know, he's just prodding them. And then he comes along and he drenches his offering three times until the water fills the trenches. He prays, the fire falls. I mean, this is an amazing thing. It not only consumes the sacrifice, it consumes the stones. And Ahab runs back to Jezebel and says, this is what just happened. And Jezebel makes a declaration, this time tomorrow. I'm going to do to him what he did to my prophets. Well, this was about 3,000 years ago. And you know, to this day, Elijah ain't dead. Right, Y'all just missed that. She said the next day. So one of the things you got to understand, a Jezebel will tell you what they're going to do to you because just because a Jezebel says they're going to make you your life hell, if Christ is in your life, they can't make your life hell because God has deposited heaven in your life. Just because a Jezebel says it doesn't mean they can do it. Queen Jezebel said, this time tomorrow, I tell you what, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get him and I'm going to do to him what he did to my prophets. Well, a week passed. Elijah was still alive. A decade passed, Elijah's still alive. And what I said to you is, he's one of the two that ain't dead yet. Jezebel made a prophesy. Yet, listen, it was so intimidating that this mighty man of God who had just withstood 400 prophets ran and hid himself. And the Bible says because he was afraid. One of the things about a, a true Jezebel is you, you're afraid of them when you ain't afraid of nothing else. It's like, I mean, you, you'll face a bear, but you don't want to face him. You'll face a lion, but you don't want to face her. There's something about them that intimidates you. And if you're, if you're supernaturally afraid of someone, there's a reason. And if you, is this okay? I mean, when you're to the point where you're almost willing to give up on your dream just to have peace. 
It's like, you know what? I'll give up on my happiness. I'll give up on my healing. I'll give up on my prosperity. I'll just, just leave me alone. There's a, that's a supernatural fight. Yes. But can I say this to you? If you're in Christ, there ain't a weapon formed against you that can prosper. You might feel afraid, but that doesn't mean they're going to win. It might even look like they've already won, but if you're in Christ, faith is the victory. No, faith is the victory. And what this creature called Jezebel wants is more than anything else for you to surrender your faith. And this creature is very, very vengeful. Number 19, and I'm getting to the end. This creature will always attempt to make you look like you're the Jezebel. You're the problem. If this person is near to being confronted, he or she will skillfully twist the entire situation to make the innocent person look like the one who's attempting to control. A Jezebel will always do anything to look like the one who is right. A Jezebel will use the element of surprise. A Jezebel's main thrust is to be in control, and a large part of being in control is the ability to catch you off guard. One pastor said that there was a person that would always show up a day early for a meeting. Call unexpectedly just to catch you off guard and then leave you rambling. You don't know what to do. Number 21, is always impatient. Is always impatient and very ambitious and wanting everything now, the title, the position, and the prestige. And then lastly, I've already said this, but is very intimidating. And the verse for that is 1 Kings 19, verses 2 and 3. I already quoted it to you, so I won't read it. And then in closing, listen, once you've determined, you have discerned that this is a spiritual battle and just not a natural conflict. And remember what I told you, you can never win a supernatural fight by natural means. So once you've discerned, this isn't just someone who's immature and needs to be taught. This is truly a spiritual battle. And the way you'll know that is most of this will line up with that. You're always exhausted. You're always intimidated. They're stealing and robbing, sometimes naturally and most of the time supernaturally. It's as if, it's as if when you're around them, you sell your birthright. In fact, that's what the Bible says. God was so angry at Ahab because he sold himself to sin by marrying Jezebel. He sold himself to the devil. Once you've discerned it, now you need to learn to defeat it. And that will cover next week. But this is, I want to close with this. Listen to this. Once you've determined that you're indeed dealing with a creature called Jezebel, prepare for battle. And you got two choices. Actually, three. One, you can succumb. And your destiny will be lost. Or two... You can remove it from its position or you can remove yourself from its influence. One, in reading a book about this, one pastor said, he's been long dead. He said in all of his years of ministry, he never knew a Jezebel to repent. 
Because when a person becomes so succumb or succumbs so much or submits so much to a creature called Jezebel, pride has gotten to such a place, it's almost as if they're beyond repentance. Stand to your feet. This was not meant in any way to be a downer. An awareness. Because the devil does not want you to achieve your dream. And it doesn't matter what field, again, if God puts you into the business world, the enemy will oppose you achieving what God has birthed you to achieve. If God has placed you in the ministry, if God has placed you in, as a head of a family, a mother or a father, you will have to confront this creature in order to establish the kingdom of God in your life. We can't afford to go through life ignorant. We first discern, recognize the enemy for who he is. Then we wake up and realize who we are in Christ. And we choose to fight, but the first thing we do is we put on the whole armor of God. So we can stand, and we can withstand. And we can outlast, and we can vanquish. So lift those hands of yours to God. And we're going to pray. And then you will dismiss you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word not only gives life, but it brings light. It makes us aware, Father, of the spiritual battle. It makes us aware of the schemes of the enemy. It makes us aware of the greatness of your person. It makes us aware of the vastness of your love. And it makes us aware of who we are in Christ. So I pray, Father, right now that in the areas where darkness is battling, turn the light on. Father, help us to see who is in our life and why they're in our life. And Father, help us to discern the enemy and vanquish the enemy. Father, I pray for every person in here. May their dreams not be lost. May understanding become a way of life. And Father, may they prize above everything else wisdom and understanding that comes through your word. So Father, they're not easily duped. They're not easily fooled. They're not easily intimidated. May they become warriors of Christ who vanquish but are not vanquished. Father, I thank you that even in this message, you are preparing us for that which you have prepared for us. Now, I don't know who this is for, but this just nearly overwhelmed my heart. There's at least three people in here right now. You felt like quitting. Because you have been confronted by this creature nonstop for a season now. And at times you have felt like it would be easier to follow the model of the prophet and run away. But there's something in you. It's a spark of divinity. It won't let you run. You've been standing, but you're tired. I want you just to receive right now. We're going to pray. 
I want you to receive. You don't have to expose yourself. You don't have to admit that's you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak life. Life. Father, the strength that flows through Christ, let it flow into them right now. I pray that you would infuse them and enthuse them with life, with light, and with love. Father, let them know that greater is the one that resides within them than the enemy that dances around them. Lord, though the enemy dances and prances and declares its greatness, it is nothing compared to you. And I pray, Father, that they would stand in the middle of the storm and know that they are a vessel of peace. Lord, that there is no weapon formed against them that can prosper. And every word, and this is so important, hear me when I say this, every word spoken over you in a judgmental, condemning way, the God of the, the Lord of grace will tear that thing down, and you must declare that to be an untruth. You must declare that to be a lie and you must declare that that word has no impact or effect upon you in Jesus name that you are greater than that weapon so you withstand you stand and you win in the name of Jesus give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you would